Good morning. This is Dr. Badia again with another episode of Fixing Healthcare from the Trenches. This week, we have another uh, young colleague who's uh, actually in his training. Dr. Zachary Goldstein is an orthopedic surgeon trained in Indiana. He's an indie boy all the way, so I'm, I'm sure he's, uh, he's, he's pretty good in basketball. And uh, he's doing his spine fellowship at a very prestigious place in Michigan, uh, uh, William Beaumont Hospital a long a reputation of, of spine surgery. And we are going to be um, talking about, you know, his generation of surgeons as they're going out now into this increasingly complex uh, healthcare system. And uh, what's unique about Dr. Goldstein, um, who, uh, who, should, who should join us now, is that he, um, he is educating patients, because I think that's the key thing about our system. He's doing it largely through humor. So at the end of the uh, podcast, make sure you follow him. And uh, one of my favorite videos is where he's um, his daughter, who's um, gosh, well, we'll we'll ask him now. She's she's quite young, very very precocious, and is complaining about um, uh, about things that surgeons say in the operating room, and it's it's just hilarious. So you can search for it on his site. But again, I think what attracts people is is humor. And at this point in healthcare, I think uh, doctors, nurses, uh, techs uh, uh, have to have to kind of have to have a little bit of humor, but that doesn't mean we have to stop fighting. So Dr. Goldstein, welcome. Welcome to our weekly podcast. Thanks, Dr. Radia. Thanks for having me. Uh, I just want to add, you know, I've never really been tall enough to make it to any basketball team. So uh, <laughs> That's why I chose medicine. And I'll, and I'll be honest, you know, as we all know, it's, it's, it's really no money in medicine these days. So, you know, I'm hoping my ticket is going to be my daughter making it big in Hollywood. So I'm just kidding. But well, um, it's interesting because, you you know, you're going to spine surgery, which is, is still one of the areas of orthopedics that can be, you know, well compensated as it should. People don't realize you do some of these cases. I remember as a resident, I mean, you're standing up and it's physical for eight hours. And if something doesn't go right, which in anything in, 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 in the world, uh, nothing is 100%. Um, if something doesn't go right, there's a lot of stress, right? Um, so, so, you know, in, in the end, you, you deserve to be well, well compensated for that. You're going through long training. So I'd, I'd love to hear your perspective on your training and what your thoughts are for, for your future. Yeah, um, you know, I've, I've loved my training. You know, I've done my medical training at Indiana. Um, I've had really good experience there. Um, and now it's interesting seeing, you know, a different, um, uh, location, you know, different hospitals now for fellowship. And I'm going to be starting practice soon in, uh, a couple of uh, months, uh, going back home uh, to Chicago, actually where I'm from. Um, um, and yeah, and, you know, I think this is a really, you know, critical time for healthcare just because there are so many challenges um, that that we're facing now. And I think, you know, the recent pandemic sort of just, you know, accentuated these challenges. Um, but, you know, staffing challenges and, and burnout amongst, you know, hospital staff um, is, is all relevant um, pretty much across the country right now. Um, and you mentioned, you know, uh, my social media, you know, I started it mainly for fun. Um, but, you know, I think it's important that, you know, we find humor in what we do, um, especially given how hard everyone in healthcare is working these days. Um, and then also, you know, I think it is, it's important for us to be self-aware of how we are perceived, you know, as surgeons, nurses, staff in the hospital, um, because we need to be self-aware of this because, you know, 
even in in you know jokes and humor, um, there's always usually a kernel of truth in, in any joke. Absolutely. So, um, you know, if if a surgeon may act a certain way, for example, you know, and there may be a negative way in which they are perceived by staff. It's fun to joke about it, but it's also important to kind of be aware of that. So um, we can correct that and, and make for a better work environment for everybody. And so, you know, part of what I've done in, in my videos is, you know, I try to just find humor in, in just daily interactions, you know, um, in the hospital, whether it's nurses or doctors or, or, or staff in general. Um, for, for entertainment, but also hopefully to promote some awareness and, and some areas for improvement. Well, I, I love the idea of self-reflection. Uh, the the video of where you're um, fixing a fracture, or I should say your daughter is a surgeon and you are the scrub tech, which is the surgical tech, who's the, the very important person in our surgery, particularly in spine and also in hand. They're very technical surgery. So they've got to know their equipment really well. I mean, it's, it's you know, uh, and and I just had that scenario last week where I needed a reduction clamp and and you know the, the the staff said, "Well, you you managed without it." <laughs> so I just I just had to chuckle because we can all relate to that, right? And it is a team. It's really like a symphony. And um, I'm excited to say I'm leaving. Um, uh, I got to be at the airport in about an hour, and I'm operating tomorrow. But I'll tell you, I'm operating. I'm going to give a plug to a Gramercy Surgery Center. They are um, in in Manhattan. And I've only done, you know, a couple cases there and they, they're they're right on target. So I think the public needs to understand that all of these components in healthcare are really necessary for us to be able to take care of people. And I'm hoping, that's why I love the humor that you bring, is that maybe that'll get the public a little more interested because what a lot of what we do is perceived as being a bit boring, right? Although although there's a pimple popper, right, who seems to be bust. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see, you know, people understanding your spine surgery which is, I, you know, personally, I think a little more complicated. Um, I don't know what it is about popping, popping zits. My wife is a big fan yeah. of that, that particular <laughs> doctor. But uh, I don't think spine surgery will ever garner the amount of interest as, you know, popping a, a big juicy pimple uh, does for the general public. I guess, but, uh, well, but the, the, th the things, the struggles you go through in order to be able to deliver that care. And that's, that's uh, let, let, let's talk about that for a moment. I mean, you are entering, um, as you finish your, your fellows been going to Chicago to practice, you are um, entering a climate where much of what you need to do for a patient, you need to be second guessed and you need to have, you know, authorization by somebody who doesn't have a clue about this stuff. And, and it's not their fault either, right? I mean, I'm not, I don't think any of us are angry at these people, but we are a little angry at the system, right? Why, why, nobody is more qualified than you at this point, unless it's another spine surgeon. I'm certainly not qualified. If you order something or you do you do a certain procedure, um, you're not infallible, but you are the best person to make those decisions. So what are your thoughts about how we can overcome that? Yeah, it's 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 frustrating to see for sure. You know, I, I'm I'm not because I'm still in training, I'm not involved with a lot of those, you know, those calls, but I'm certainly seeing it. I'm in clinic with my attending physicians and, you know, they're ordering uh, tests uh, uh, for scheduling surgeries and then patients are being denied um, for, you know, any number of reasons. Some are, some are not justified. Um, and then patients are, are, are frustrated because they can't get the care they need um, because, you know, an insurance company, for example, or someone has um, deemed it unnecessary. Um, and, and it's experimental. <laughs> I love that. Experimental, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's definitely the case in spine surgery. I, I mean, there are so many yeah. procedures that you have to document 
um, everything so exact. And there are certain key components of things you have to document in order to sort of sell, you know, the surgery to whoever's going to be paying for it to cover it. And um, it sort of becomes a game in some ways. It's, it's, it's frustrating. Yes, it is. And, and what, what I think is most frustrating for us as clinicians and caregivers is that the patient's uh, take it out on us and they, they have to realize that we're in the same boat right we we want to provide care i mean this is our profession they need the help and yet when they're denied the patients often express their frustration to be given not just to me but like to my staff who really has nothing to do with it they've got to sit on hold waiting to speak to to a person at a desk somewhere else in the country about a patient i'm seeing at that moment uh, that's very frustrating. So I'm hoping that the public who watches this, please channel that frustration to the insurance company or to your employer who decided upon that insur insurance company. So they, they understand that, you know, we are trying to, to help. And when, um, when they complain to us, it just, it, it just adds salt to the wound because we, we, we're in the same boat. So, you know, there are, um, obviously a number of challenges in healthcare. So what are, what would you say are three initiatives that you would, you would like to see in order to really fix healthcare, at least, at least make a dent? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, there, there are so many things um, where to start. You know, I, I think one thing off the bat um, would be um, better price transparency. So, mm -hmm. you know, you can't go to, uh, you know, a drive through and order a hamburger and then, you know, Get, get to the window and you ask how much it costs. And then they say, yeah, don't worry about it. You know, and then you eat your hamburger, you come home and you get a bill in the, in the mail three months later, you know, saying it costs a thousand dollars. You know, um, if you had known it cost a thousand dollars, you would have never gone to that drive through. And so um, there, there have been, um, you know, recent changes, you know, there's been legislation uh, enacted as recently as 2021 um, that requires hospitals now to be transparent with um, at least some of the more common procedures they offer and kind of the negotiated prices um, that they've negotiated with the insurance companies. The problem is that a lot of hospitals are not compliant with these right. new regulations. And it's actually shocking. Some, some studies have shown that like in orthopedics, for example, those compliance rates are even as low as like 20 to 30% of hospitals are compliant. Um, right. and, yeah. and it's not even about being, you know, having price transparency hidden somewhere in the website, but it needs to be, you know, easily obtainable for patients. And I think if that, if we started cracking down and making, you know, prices more transparent, that would create an open competition that would drive down prices and costs and patients can be much more you know, educated uh, and make informed decisions about where they're going to be getting their care. Well, we, we're going to we're going to have we're going to try to get some legislators on here. Uh, uh, unfortunately, it's, they're going to be also clinicians, physicians, because they're ones who who understand it and, and care the most. But, you know, podcasts like this and there are others uh, are, are really going to hopefully, you know, wake some eyes because um, it, for one, it's the, the hospital lobby, right? It's very powerful. So, you know, there is a, a film called The Swamp. I haven't watched it yet, but The Swamp basically talks about how much of Washington's controlled by lobbyists and the American public has to just say enough. I mean, you know, healthcare is up to 20% of our GDP now. So, so yeah, absolutely transparency. Um, so let's, uh, well, maybe I'll, I'm gonna. I'd love to get Marty Macri here, who wrote the, uh, the 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 price we pay. Where he talks exactly about this with big hospitals. So, so and it's, that it's, is really a thing. Hospitals that are the biggest offenders. You know, the ones that are classically ranked as you know the top ranked right. hospitals in the country. Those are the ones that sometimes are the least transparent and actually charge the most. 
yeah, I have to be careful. I'm going back to New York to my roots. So I got to be careful. <laughs> you know, that's a problem. A lot of physicians, uh, you know, even me, right, are, are, you know, a little afraid to speak out. But, you know, enough is enough. We, we really do need to explain. So, all right. So initiative number two. Uh, initiative number two, I think, you know, and this is a more uh, recent issue, but just the staffing shortages in general, it's it's crippling hospitals. Oh, yeah. Um, you know. Uh, surgery centers, you'll, you'll see when you get out there, even, you know, even, even my surgery center, so. Yeah. And, 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 you know, nurses, um, techs, you know, janitorial staff, everybody's been leaving um, yeah. the, the workforce in droves. Some, some of them are going and choosing to travel um, for better wages. And, you know, the cost of turnover um, and training new people, hiring traveling nurses, that is a huge, tremendous cost. And staffing shortages, you know, uh, lead to, you know, surgeons being able to, or not being able to do as many surgeries as they want. And so the, 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 the end result affects patients and patients, patient care. And so, you know, healthcare in general, hospital surgery centers, they need to find better ways to um, really retain employees, nurses in particular, um, because nothing can function without them. And so, you know, obviously higher pay would, would, would keep more people, you know, at their current jobs, but it goes beyond pay. Um, you need to uh, create a better work environment uh, for people in general. Um, people are being stretched too thin right now. There's burnout in the hospital. Less bureaucracy. You know, you use the word burnout. One of the things I mentioned in my, in my book, uh, Healthcare from the Trenches, the, I think in chapter 12, um, it's the title is actually, it's actually moral injury. We, I hate to use the word burnout because if you think about how hard you, uh, particularly during your, say, your surgical internship, how hard you worked, and you managed to do it, right? So burnout is a little different. This is where you are, it's akin to soldiers who've trained and they're able to do it. But what? But when they're told you got to go into this place and, and kill these innocent people, that causes a moral injury. And And when we don't get the authorization for that patient or we're hampered with our care, um, that, that, and, and it's not just doctors, other, other people are feeling it too. So that, that moral injury takes a toll. So I, I agree, uh, uh, staffing is a big, a big one. So number three, uh, number three, um, uh, you know, I would just say would be ways to improve efficiency and cost. And I think surgery centers are, are a tremendous opportunity. Um, it's happened over the past decade, the steady move towards doing more procedures in the surgery centers as opposed to the hospitals. Um, you know, not every procedure, not every patient is right for an outpatient procedure, but certainly ones that can um, benefit from an outpatient surgery. Um, you know, oftentimes surgery centers are running at, you know, uh, more efficient um, and, and, and cheaper costs than the hospital settings. And I think we're going to continue to see more and more surgeons bringing their surgeries to the uh, ambulatory setting. Um, and that will, you know, continue to hopefully, um, you know, decrease uh, medical costs and utilization. Well, well, get ready. Your, your spine surgery has changed radically. As you know, uh, we have now two spine surgeons who come regularly to our center, which is literally, literally down the hall. And I, I invite you, Zach, to come visit and maybe even spend a day one of those guys, he um, he trained in the in the Midwest, and he's done some front and back. So for for patients to understand what that is, is a general surgeon comes in, he helps the spine surgeon open the abdomen, approach the spine from the front, right, and then we turn the, then they turn the patient over and instrument the spine from the back, right. So we're doing that in our surgery center outpatient. Think about the cost savings of that compared to the hospital. So hopefully the insurance industry is listening. Because, you know, and I'll reach out to Dr. Golsey in Chicago, who's recently trained and knows, knows how to do these surgeries. Uh, so I, I agree. That is, uh, that is a big one. 
Absolutely. And, and I got to take you up on that offer because I got to get out of the Midwestern uh, winter. <laughs> well, try to come visit us before uh, before uh, March or April. Absolutely. Set that up. So um, so I'm going to tell you my three initiatives. They, they don't change, although I agree with everyone you said, it, it, particularly the last one. Everyone who knows me knows I'm a big proponent for outpatient care, uh, obviously for hand. But now we're seeing it in spine and we're doing total joints as well. Uh, hip and knee replacements outpatient. Um, so my, my first one is related to that is see the right clinician at the right time. Okay. Seeing the right type of, 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 of um, physician or, or even, you know, mid-level provider at the time that you need it saves a lot of money because you make the diagnosis earlier, you, you do the, you, the treatment plan and that, that saves money and obviously is good for the patient. The second one we touched on is let's have oversight, not authorization, meaning we're not infallible. Obviously, there are, there are bad apples everywhere. There may be physicians who say order too many tests or maybe do, do some surgeries when that's not, maybe it's not 100% indicated. So that oversight is fine, but don't interfere. So let's get rid of authorization completely. Let's just get, get rid of that. Um, and then the third one is what we're doing and what I love that you're doing through humor is educating the public. So whether it be podcasts or, um, or even we do a lot of live uh, surgery. Every, every two weeks, we do a live surgery. Uh, hashtag live surgery Tuesday. Uh, so on Tuesdays, you can see that. And that is a way for the public to get engaged. But I, I love humor. That's why I had you out here. So I, I did not tell you uh, that I, I'm putting you on the spot. If maybe you have a joke or something humorous to share with us, <laughs> or maybe something that happened that you, you found very funny. Oh, um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, I, I'd have to, I have yeah. to think about that. We had oh, a, one, one of my, uh, one of the surgeons had a good line the other day. Um, the, the, you know, in surgery, we like for the blood pressure of the patient to be a little bit lower. So it was a little right. bit bleeding. So um, there was a little bit of extra bleeding in the beginning of a surgery. And, and he, he turned, to, turned to the anesthesiologist and he said, what's the blood pressure? And the anesthesiologist said, you know, 160 over 110, which, you know, for those watching, that's, that's a little bit high for surgery. And so he responded very quickly. He said, that's what my blood pressure is about to be if you don't get that, uh, that bleeding. <laughs> that's great. That's great. I thought it was pretty funny. And our anesthesia colleagues get it because they know under stress, they're under stress, but only about one or 2% of the times, right? Um, but but they, they they get it and we, we work together. And that's that's what healthcare is all around. And I'm sure I'm sure that the uh, the scrub tech and and and, and the, the the nurse uh, circulator probably chuckled, and and probably the, uh, the 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 fellow helping clean the room and turn over. So um, that's yeah, I, I, w I was laughing under my mask for sure. <laughs> that's great. All right, well, Dr. Golsey, thank you so much. Uh, keep those those funny videos coming, and uh, with that intent of educating the public of what we are facing, really from the trenches. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.